Hey everyone, Ellie here. Each Friday on the Third Degree Podcast, I speak with a rotating cast of some of the nation's top law students about breaking legal news, compelling cases, and what it means to lead a life in the law. Today, we're sharing a sample from my conversation with NYU law student Safina Mekli. To listen to the full episode, become a member of Cafe Insider. And now for a limited time, you can join at half the annual membership price. Just head to cafe.com slash insider and enter the code justice. Now, it's so interesting to hear you talk about the way that the jury you sat on ultimately reached a compromise verdict of sorts. And that is exactly why I think it's so important what happened in the Minnesota court this week regarding the third degree murder charge. So here's the deal. The prosecution originally charged three counts. The lead count, the most serious count, the hardest to prove is the second degree murder. In the middle was this third degree, what we call depraved mind murder. And then the lowest one, was this second degree manslaughter, right? They're punishable by 45, 25, and 10 years, respectively. The judge threw out the third degree count before the trial. But then after we went through the whole appellate process, the Court of Appeals and the Minnesota Supreme Court essentially said, no, 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 you got to put that back in. So now it's back in the case. And I think it's so important because in my experience and apparently in your experience as a juror, what juries do sometimes, especially in hotly contested cases, is they compromise. And there's a phrase for this. I mean, it's not super clever, but we, we would call it a compromise verdict. And if you're the prosecutor, you want to give the jury as many avenues as possible to get to a guilty verdict of some type or other. Now, I understand if they come out sort of in the middle here, there will be people who will say that's not justice. But I think it's a lot more palatable for people who are seeking that kind of justice to say, well, look, he was convicted of the middle count. He's facing a max of 25 years. I mean, to me, that's a, a big, big difference. Do you think it's problematic for our system that juries maybe sometimes horse trade? You know, look, I'll give on this if you give on that. I mean, I know it's not the way they teach it in law school, but do you see that as a problem? I feel like my law student brain wants to say, of course, it's a problem because they're not applying the facts to the law. And, you know, jurors are told that that's their responsibility in the jury room. But having been in the room itself, it's it's um, totally an example of where the rules that we set sort of butt up against reality. And it's a group of 12 people trying to come to a decision about what to do in a really complicated case. And there are jurors who were selected for perhaps their variation on the ideological spectrum or their diversity of backgrounds. So you're bringing in completely different people to come to a decision about what to do. And I think once you've exhausted the sort of what you think are the clear answers under the law, it's sort of by necessity that these kinds of compromises are made. So even if I think it's not a perfect law school application of how the law should work, I think it makes sense as far as my perception of how reality is. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Look, this is the ultimate human exercise. You take 12 human beings, you really don't give them that much of an instruction. I mean, you'll get your formal legal instructions. Here are the elements of the law under New York state law. You'll get the evidence. But the thing that people maybe don't realize is nobody tells you as a juror how you're supposed to do this. Some juries go count by count. Some juries go, let's start with the first witness and talk all the way through it. Some just go, okay, where's everybody at? Right off the bat, right? And so it is a human process. And here's how human it is. There is such thing as the Friday verdict and the lunch verdict. Now, let me explain. The Friday verdict. Anytime you have a jury out, everyone's speculating. When do they come back? When do they come back? This will happen in the Chauvin case. You know how many times juries come back Friday at 3.30 p.m.? <laughs> because 
They don't want to come back next week. They want it over with. And we would just sit there on Friday afternoons just waiting for verdicts to roll in. And then there's the lunch verdict. Um, you will never get a verdict at 11.30 a.m. You will get verdicts at 1.30 p.m. Why? Because people want their last court-supplied free lunch. <laughs> and I say that because it, it's true and it's the way things work, but it's just a reminder that this is ultimately, as much as we try to make it a wherefore and thus and unto, very legally constrained process, it's a human process. The other thing is judges and our law, and I don't know if this, tell me when I'm through this, if, if this happened to you, actually do pressure juries directly to try to come to a unanimous verdict. It's something we call an Allen charge. And what happens is when a jury first sends out a note saying, we're stuck, we can't agree on count three, eventually the judge will give this charge. And basically the judge brings them out and browbeats them. Defense lawyers hate it because defense lawyers just want to get their hung jury and go home. Prosecutors, it's our last hope, right? I mean, if you have a judge Allen charging, you're, you're like, this is your Hail Mary. And they will say, look, I'm paraphrasing the Allen charge here, but the judge will say to the jurors, you're not to give up your individual convictions. That said, you are to keep an open mind. If you don't come to a unanimous verdict, this case may well have to be retried and it'll be another jury just like all of you. And it is a pressure tactic applied by judges. I actually had a case where the jury said they were stuck. The judge gave the Allen charge and then a day or two later, they came back with a conviction. I've had another case, two cases, where the judge gave that charge and it did not undo the deadlock, but it can. And so- it's more than just a reality that people sometimes tend to negotiate and bargain. It's actually embedded in our laws. Did you all have that in your jury? Did your judge ever bring you out and say, like, I hope you enjoyed this sample of the Third Degree Podcast. To listen to the full episode, become a member at cafe.com slash insider and enter the code justice for 50% off the annual membership price. That's cafe.com slash insider. insider.